0: In the following live stream recording, Tim Cool, Chief Solutions Officer for Cool Solutions Group of Charlotte, North Carolina, talks about the intersection of facilities IT and IoT. In the world of Internet of Things, or IoT, how IT and facilities integrate is becoming more mainstream than ever before. This session shows how HVAC systems integrate with event scheduling and how the use of mobile devices can track work orders and inventory, schedule events, project the life cycle of the facility's equipment and assets, and so on. In addition, the trend toward full integration of electrical systems and access slash security systems is on the rise. Churches need to be aware of these IoT options and utilize the ones that fit their vision and mission. Let's join Tim now.
1: For, for clarity's sake, I am not an IT expert, but I did, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. Once. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know enough about IT to be really, really dangerous. Uh, uh, um, I resemble that. Yeah. W- what I am is I know churches, and I know church facilities. I, I know what the the issues are with, with taking care of a church facility i know that many times we're dealing with dinosaurs and you know old systems and things like that and trying to keep them running and keep them going so are you guys familiar with the term internet of things mm-hmm. how many of you have an echo at home I don't know. An I have well, it is an echo. You just call oh, okay. Alexa, okay. Uh, and uh, we got one. so that's the Internet of Things. Yeah. It's basically things talking to things. It's <laughs> it's uh, microprocessors and so on. So when I bought my first car, and I won't tell you what here the car was predominantly rubber and metal, but not today. Today, almost every car has a minimum of a hundred microprocessors. So I, I'm on the road every week, and so I get the advantage of driving rental cars on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. A rental car here yeah, from Charlotte. And um, the other day I was in a Buick Enclave, and I'm driving along, and there's no one around me, so I, I started to move to the other lane. And the minute I did, the seat started vibrating under my, my butt cheek, and it pulled the wheel back. And then a few minutes later, it started to sprinkle, and the wipers came on, and, and I'm like, what is going on? And uh, that's all the internet of things. There's all these sensors on the car that automatically turn things on and off. Well, this has been going on in buildings now for about 15 plus years. Not church buildings because we're always 15 years behind what the trends are in in the industry. But hospital, office buildings, uh, shopping centers, malls, they they all have this. So a couple of really interesting kind of facts. By the year 2020, uh, according to whatever that small print says, you're looking at 4 billion connected people. There'll still be a part of the world that won't be connected just because they're they not have power have other things like that. But you know, we're talking just next year. 4 billion connected people, $4 trillion of revenue generated from connection in the market, 25-plus million apps. We're going to need a bigger phone. We're gonna put all those apps on our phone. 25 billion embedded in intelligent systems. Everything from sensing the heat, to humidity, to how fast you're going. Um, how many steps you take. How many steps you take. Uh, my, my kids, when they were young, my favorite app was one called Life360. You got it. You got it? And so, uh, you didn't hear this earlier, I've got 22 year old triplets. Oh, wow. So when they turned 16, They all wanted to drive and go places. Well, we put this on their phone and it would tell us where they were and when they were on their way home, what street they were on. Well, yeah, exactly. It'll tell you how fast they're going as well. Well, that's an Internet of Things kind of thing. What they didn't realize is if they left the phone someplace, they would never know, I would never know where they were. But teenagers aren't that smart because you don't leave your phone behind if you're 16 year old. So, and then there's going to be 50 trillion gigabytes of data. I mean, gigabyte, terabytes, Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. It's going to be exponential. So when you look at the Internet of Things, and what has happened since the year 2008, it's become exponential. The world as a whole is changing. It's inevitable, it's it's just, it's going to happen. What's interesting is if you took a clock and said from the Gutenberg press to today, Gutenberg press was in 1500, to today, the Gutenberg press to Morse code would be more than 12 hours of that time. The time from the iPhone to today would be milliseconds. The iPhone was only 12 years old. And yet, we we almost live as if it's been around forever. I mean, I, I don't know how it survive without mine. Um, and I was so frustrated earlier because there's almost no internet service and self-service in this building. Like, mm-hmm. you know, start to go through sweats. Uh, you know, because I can't check my emails and everything else. we become so attached to our devices. Um, have you heard of the term big data? Big data is a is a term that's used. Um, predominantly in the IT world, but it's, it's moving into the church world. I okay? think there's a company called Glue that, that's yeah. all they do is they specialize in big data. And it's basically mining data to see what people's trends are. So how many of you use Facebook or something like that? And how many times were you shopping online for something and the next time you got on Facebook, oh, podcast, there? Yeah. that's big data. Yeah. What they're doing is they're, they're mining, tracking. tracking what you are interested tracking. in obviously they're trying to create ads, but in the, in the market research, if I see, hey, there's 30 churches in Atlanta that all have interest in X, now all of a sudden I've got something that I can go to them. Or, if I am a church and I'm targeting families with young, family, with young kids, when you start looking at people's trends online, you can see where those pockets are, and, uh, and it's more reliable than demographic stuff. So we're going to see that being used more and more. So the, the big question is, so what, who cares? Well, let me explain a little bit. They call me Captain Obvious for a reason, um, so let me explain some of the simple things. But let's, let's start with maybe some, some basics as we look at how IT, internet of things, impacts our facilities. So has anyone bought a refrigerator or a washing machine that had the ENERGY STAR seal on the big blue sticker? You can't hardly buy an appliance today without it. Well, a lot of people don't don't know that ENERGY STAR is actually a division of the EPA. So it's a government-based program. And they have a division that's focused on nothing but congregations. Jerry Lawson out of uh, Washington, D.C. is the head of their congregations division. And they do studies constantly on energy efficiency <coughs> and what about gear just to churches. And so in one of their studies, they looked at what are the three primary energy consumers. The first one's buildings, that's no big surprise. The second was industry, so making machines run. The third was transportation. This is relatively recent, and so transportation I'm like, that didn't seem like But you look at all the light rail systems that are going in, the electric cars, and all this other stuff, electric's becoming more and more a consumer for transportation. 48% of US energy consumption is due to buildings. So almost 50% of all of the energy consumed in the United States is due to building consumption. 75% of electricity is due to buildings. I mentioned this earlier about the average cost of utilities and you know, the dollar to dollar 50 is about we used to be spending per square foot per year. It's an annualized number. $1.50 per square foot, mm-hmm. that's, that's the average? Okay. But, well, the dollar 25 is really the average, but if you're falling between a dollar and a dollar 50, you're in, in a, an acceptable range. Um, that's to, that's your energy cost for everything. Yeah. So, Figure gas and electric, or oil, or water, or just electric. Well, only water if you have um, a a boiler or a chiller, because you need water to generate those. But if it's just just, uh, domestic water for flushing and drinking fountains and whatnot, then we don't include the water. Um, This this was an example of um, the report that we did for a church that was spending two dollars and five cents a square foot for utilities. Yeah, this church was spending two dollars and five cents a square foot. Well, with our average of a dollar and a dollar fifty, they were somewhere between 36 and 150% overspending. Well, this same church had no capital reserves either. So we, we got to the bottom of this and it was poor behavior. They had a building automation system that no one knew how to use. So they let it run 24/7. Yeah, the back and all that. Yep. They just let it run 24/7. 200,000 square feet. So if you got the if you got the two dollars and five cents down to even the high end at a dollar fifty, that's fifty-five cents a square foot. That's hundred and ten thousand dollars a year, which now that church is putting into a capital reserve fund, and it didn't change their budget. They just had to they just had to understand. One of the other things, and I don't know how your churches do uh, your annual budgeting, but I see so many churches that they'll look at, oh well, we we spent X dollars on utilities, let's just add 3% for next year, well, without considering, are you spending too much to begin with? And so you just keep increasing your <laughs> overspending, by increasing <laughs> inflation. Right, yes. and you assume, you just assume that that's a, that's a fixed, given cost, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, there's a lot of things you can do about it. and so. Before you just start adding money, it, um, out of Calvary Baptist Church in, in Winston-Salem, I just I met with them on Wednesday this week, and they just went to all LEDs, and they are saving almost $30,000 a month mm-hmm. uh, in utilities. Now, they've got 400,000 square feet. It's a big building. Yeah. What did the initial power say? that? Well, the utility company um, paid, I think, 80% of it for them. Wow. So you need to talk to your utility company if you want to do any upgrades. Duke Power in Charlotte, they, uh, up until January, were paying uh, 75% of LED retrofits. Now that's, that's a big number. And so it makes it so much more cost effective. Most of the churches that have done that are seeing a payback in eight, nine, 10 months of what the initial cost is. So four or five years ago, payback was three to five years. Now it's less than a year. So then, when you look at your, you know, how you attribute your utility bills, 50 to 75 percent of it is attributed to heating and cooling. So, HVAC is kind of the low-hanging fruit that everyone immediately turns to as to how do I save money, because it's the biggest consumer of utilities. So, a couple of non-technical things that you can do is for one degree reduced can produce one percent in savings. So during your heating mode, if you're used to keeping it at 70 degrees, drop it to 69 degrees and you'll save 1% in energy, regardless of what kind of thermostat you use. In the HVAC mode, every degree over 75 degrees can save 3% in cost. So I'm recommending to churches to go ahead and increase the temperature to 90 degrees during worship service. Just kidding. Um, I'm not suggesting that. But as an interesting point, how many of you have been in church where you get a little sleepy? You wanna doze a little bit. And we generally blame either the late night before or we blame the pastor's board. The real issue why you get drowsy in church is carbon monoxide. Particularly in a building that's not 15 years or newer. Uh, if it was 15 years or newer, they required you to add fresh air, makeup, intake into your building. Older buildings generally don't have that. But what that means is you you do congregational singing, you get people in a room, all of a sudden the room filled with carbon dioxide or monoxide, yeah, either one of them, not good. And, and that makes you sleepy. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like being in a room where they put a hose in the exhaust pipe of a car. And so, what I'm recommending to churches is put a CO2 sensor in their sanctuaries and tie it to your thermostats so that if the the CO2 gets too high, it will turn on the air conditioner and suck everything out. Oh, well, wow. I mean, I've never even heard of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a CO2 sensor you can get for 20, 30 bucks. Wire it into your unit and you um, go. It's a Again, it, a lot of this is just little stuff, but we don't know it. So there's a couple big trends uh, in the HVAC world. One is automation. And when I hear the word automation, I'm thinking computers and robots and all this stuff. Automation just means you've got something that is doing a task for you without you having to do it manually. So whether that's a Wi-Fi thermostat or a programmable thermostat or something else, that's that's automation in some form and fashion. The other is integration, where systems are integrating with each other, and they're integrating with software to control them. Mm-hmm. With within you mentioned that you've got a building automation system.
0: Well, it's it's just basically we can control it with our phone. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's that's yeah, it's not
1: not like, I can go to the computer and do it too. Okay. But it's not okay. integrated. Can you it, turn it up and down or just turn yeah. it on and off?
0: Right? No, we can turn it up and down, Okay.
1: turn it on and off. And on. So the HVAC industry has adopted two language protocols um, that's being used in a lot of the, the more complex systems. One is called Lawnworks, uh, local operating network. Um, that was the first on the market. It's falling backwards as far as um, adoption. The most adopted one is, is BACnet, and um, stands for Building Automation and Control Network. Um, it's a, most BACnet requires a device called a JACE that's made by Honeywell and private branded by probably a dozen companies. BACnet is a, basically an open source language that plays well with others. So it allows programmers in the HVAC world to do all sorts of interesting things. So BACnet has become the, the winner in all this, predominantly because Ashray. I don't know if anyone's familiar with who ASHRAE is, but Ashray has adopted it as being the preferred language protocol. They're the ones that write the codes. So, you've got the code officials saying this is the record. Yeah. Um, but the so, if you're looking at systems, if you're looking at doing any kind of building automation system at some point, I consider, I strongly consider using a BACnet generating system just for a long. The other trend is wireless. Now, w- wireless requires you to have Wi-Fi in your building. So That's what
0: this does. It's, it's connected through wire, 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 wire. It's Okay. It's Nexia, home. It's okay. kind of like your home systems. Yeah. I mean, it's not not that great,
1: but mm-hmm.
0: at least it gives you gives I mean, it helps us. Yeah, I can look on there and make sure nobody
1: left it on. But wi- wireless is becoming. I mean, there, there's very little things you can buy today that aren't wireless. I mean, it's just the way everything's going eventually. Um, and so there's there's a couple of wireless things we need to understand. Is not all Wi-Fi. Not all wireless is Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi, the thermostats, th- these are, there's a whole series of really good thermostats that will allow you to um, have connectivity remotely from a phone or to integrate with software. So one of our products that we have is an event scheduling software that we've got hundreds of churches using. And it allows you to integrate when a schedule is scheduled, I want. A room for a Bethmore Bible study and I want three tables and 25 chairs and a child care worker and I schedule that event it will automatically tell the oh, when to come on and off. That's what Wi-Fi can do. Now there's another wireless language out there called Zigbee and it is not Wi-Fi but it is wireless. And what Zigbee does is it in your building creates its own mesh. So It has a gateway that receives external Wi-Fi, but then it creates its own mesh inside your building that all communicate back to the gateway. The advantage of of Zigbee is it allows you to only have one break point in your firewall with that gateway instead of every one of your devices having to get out of the firewall. So just when when you hear people talk about wireless, make sure you clarify whether it's Zigbee or, or Wi-Fi. So residential stats have been a trend. We get calls probably at least once a week where someone says, "We're thinking about going to the Nest thermostats for our church." And my first answer or question is, "How many th- units do you have?" And if it's more than two or three, I'm telling them bad choice. Uh, we had one church that had just bought a bunch of thermostats from us of the commercial grade and had bought a hundred Nest thermostats. Oh my gosh. And they're like, "These are not working." Why would you even do that? <laughs> uneducated. <laughs> I was going to say ignorant, but, but yeah. uneducated. Yeah. You know. So th- there's a couple things with the residential stats that we have found. Is a lot of the residentials don't have the multiple stages of heating and cooling. Most of your commercial air conditioners have at least a two cooling, two heating cycle system. So the the, the motors come on at different times. Um, a lot of them also have a We'll go to a three air condition, three stage air conditioning, two stage heating. Most of your residentials are a one and one, and so a lot of the thermostats that are residential grade aren't adequate to actually run your air conditioning systems the way they should be run, where they're cycling them on and the motors come on at different times. The size of your building is a, is a consideration when you're looking at a residential product the number of buildings and the connectivity to all those buildings, ability of occupants to adjust temperature. In too many of the residentials, you don't have the commercial uh, lockouts. So, you know, with thermostats that we get involved with, you generally have a either a complete lockout or a governor to min-max two or three degrees one way or the other. So people can press the button all day long, but mm-hmm. it's not going anywhere. I, think, I don't think that of me. I've even used a placebo thermostat so mm-hmm. where it's, it's powered, but it's not controlling anything sure. and you, it's amazing. People walk up to it, oh, I feel so much better there. Hey, I'll tell you a quick story. I've been in HVAC 25 years huh? and we had a commercial building where there was uh, a very diverse group of ladies and was pretty much separated from them. They had one thermostat and they would all fuss and fight all the time got to do something so we put uh, duct sensors Mm -hmm. in the ductwork, and we mounted them uh, four thermostats so this is for you this is for you this is for you this is for you (laughs) now they wasn't wired to anything whatsoever they never had a problem again and the the owner of the building controlled the the temperature from his office Mm -hmm. uh, through the duct sensor Same thing happens when you're using a phone and someone calls you up and says, hey, it's too hot in the sanctuary. Tell you what, let me check it right now. Okay, let me know if that feels better in a few minutes. You don't have to change anything. And you don't have to lie to them. You don't have to tell them you changed it. Uh -uh, Let me look at it. Let me know if it feels better. So, some other things, what else are we seeing? So, the HVAC integration is probably the number one thing that people are looking at. Other things that IOT is influencing in our houses of worship, first one is lighting. Um, many of us have uh, digital controls for, for our systems. Uh, so you don't have the switches as much, you've got more digital, and, um, and a lot of that can talk to other devices as well. Uh, matter of fact, there's several on the market that you can hook up to your breaker box. And split your breakers in uh, to connect to relays, and then you can wirelessly talk to the relay, which will tell those which one of those breakers to come on and off. And Is that a smart panel. Yeah. Well, you you could buy a smart panel, or you can add these relays to just a standard panel. You just interrupt the circuit and, and connect them in. Just don't put your tongue on it. The other one is access controls. Uh, more churches we're finding going to ca- card systems or fob systems and whatnot, and so a lot of those are internet based as well, and s- or they have the ability to connect to the internet from a server on site, and so we're finding more churches utilizing um, software for scheduling, particularly our software, to then unlock the door. So think of. Being able to say, I'm going to have a, an event, and the air conditioning comes on automatically, and the door doors one, two, and three unlock automatically, then relock again after the event's over. The air conditioning over. Yep. Air, air conditioning comes on 30 minutes ahead, goes off 20 minutes after it's done. However you set it up, you know, kind of thing. Another one is, is digital signage. Um, digital signage is very popular in churches, you know, for announcements and wayfinding, as well as we're seeing a, a Significant movement towards um, digital door signs. So you know, there's a, there's a paper door sign out of here, which means that we kill x number of trees every year to put those signs, and someone manually has to go around. We're finding we're finding churches being really creative with these. Uh, I've got a church in um, uh, Florida that they bought Kendall Fire or H. HD fires, for like 89 bucks, bought a Raspberry Pi, which is a small computer, it's about this big, it doesn't look like computers, it looks like a bunch of gobbledygook, but it's basically a small Wi-Fi computer that allows you to enable devices to become Wi-Fi that aren't otherwise Wi-Fi, and it costs about 40 bucks. So for about 120 bucks, this guy was able to create door signs that would integrate with his scheduling software, so that every day, when he walks into the room, it tells him what events are going on without having to print anything, without having to manually go and and do anything. Um, So we're seeing a bigger trend with that. When we look at lighting, there's a a company out of Atlanta called Acuity, and Acuity, uh, they bought it up and there was about 30 or 40 different lighting manufacturers over the last 10 or 15 years. But they've got a couple of really neat things. They've got a, a system that you can go into an existing building, doesn't matter if you've got LEDs or not, and you can use relays to, again, break the circuits and have them talk wirelessly to turn the lights on and off. There are also a couple of companies that are manufacturing LEDs that have their own IP address. So every light fixture can be controlled individually from a master control somewhere else. So, so think of this: if, if someone could ever develop an app, and I'm sure someone will because it's possible, where your guests arrive and your parking lot team knows they're a guest because they parked in guest parking, and they walk up and say, "Hey, do you have the our church's app?" And, no. We'll load, let's load it. Okay, here it is. I see you got three kids. So look right here you'll follow this line because you're underneath the lights, it lets you know where you are, because they all have IP address, this will get you to kids ministry. That's, that's going to be coming. It's not here yet, but it's going to come. Or the idea of connectivity to where you can turn kiosks on and off based on a schedule without having to someone come in at 6 o'clock in the morning and turn on every kids check-in kiosk. Or imagine going into a room even like this, and I've got a meeting scheduled, and the TV's already turned on, or the projector's turned on, and I don't have to try to find the remote control to do it. Everything's already just turned on automatically. One of the other trends that we have seen, and a couple of the larger insurance companies are actually giving these kind of things away, is early detection sensors. Think in terms of water. Heat, humidity. So, if you're a church that only meets on Sunday and Wednesday, and after Wednesday night service, everybody's gone home and the water heater blows, and no one's back in the building again until Sunday, how much damage is going to be in your building? Yep. It's going to shut you down for weeks and weeks. Well, what if you had a device that could wirelessly alert you the minute it senses water? in the pan, and it brings your phone, it sends a message to your plumber to let him know you got a problem. Or, what if you have a breaker box that starts getting too hot? Wouldn't it be nice to get an alert before a fire breaks out? So, we're seeing more of these. Now, the most interesting request that we've had in the last year was for yard sprinklers. Had a guy call me, He, he goes, yeah, I just got chewed out by a woman. Uh, she came here for a Bible study at 9 in the morning and parked her car um, in a certain area. And during the, the Bible study, the sprinklers came on and sprayed her car and she just had it washed and she was all mad. Well, my first question is, why is she parking in the grass? Or, or why are you sprinkling the parking lot? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's the first question. <laughs> but, but his thought was, man, if I could integrate my room scheduling, my event scheduling, to the sprinklers, and it wouldn't have come on until after the event was over. I don't know that we'll ever get there. but So we actually developed some products that um, that do all of this, and I won't go into all the details. It's, uh, Tim, can I ask uh, you, yeah. now, and I, I know you alluded to it some, but how much is security? I mean, uh, church security is huge now. Mm-hmm. Surveillance can everything. Uh, is that something that you do uh, deal with a lot of law? We do um, assessments for churches considering what to do with security. We'll come in and assess their grounds and their buildings, their policies and procedures. Um, so one of the guys on my staff is, is a certified security officer for the state of Texas. And he goes around and does these assessments. But what we're looking at is okay, do you have blind spots do you have dark spots do you have hiding places you know the the number one thing you could do for the outside of your building is add more lights evil doesn't like the light evil likes darkness just even scriptural and and the same thing applies so the more light you have the more scattered it will be or having shrubbery hide too high where people can hide behind those are just simple things. Those are things we, we look at, and then we look at where should cameras go and so on and so forth. But for us, our philosophy is, is we don't do any training on active shooting. <clears throat> I've got nothing against guns. I've got a whole bunch of them back at home. But I am not emotionally ready to tell people to go kill somebody. And the minute you arm your people in your church, you're asking them to take another life which may ruin their life after the fact. So I don't have a problem with guns. I don't have a problem with carrying guns and, and whatnot, but we're, as a company... And we've even got people here at this conference that are dealing with, with that more. But but just the church security, uh, you know, the budgetary cost of that. Mm-hmm. This, this is something that's changing in church budgets and facilities right now. Uh, Things we haven't done in the past. Well, security as a whole, we're dealing with things that were unthinkable 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, And you do assessments, right? Yeah. Or uh, are there any companies that you recommend more than others that that I could point a church to if they had needs? Uh, Or who to stay away from? Well, Yeah, CV Ministries is a really good organization. Um, CV Ministries? Mm They do a really good job. Um, there's a couple others. What we try to help a church focus in on, besides the, the physical attributes of what they should do to ready their building for security, is dealing with policies and procedures. So we, we tell the church, if, if security is important to you, you need to decide how secure is secure. Does that mean you have metal detectors at your doors? What, what if you've said uh, all of our nursery workers have to have a background check? But then you've got a 30-year veteran that doesn't want to get a background check. Do you let them still do nursery? No. If if you've made the decision that everyone's got to have a background check, so it becomes a cultural issue first for the church and then policies, policies and procedures. So we focus a lot on that side of it to try to make sure churches understand you've got you've to ask and answer those questions first. If, if you don't, you're going to throw a ton of money at stuff that may not be relevant. I got together two churches. I got my home church, Elevation, their facility staff together, and I got the Rock Church of San Diego to fly to Charlotte, and, and they brought four or five of their guys. Rock Church runs about 16,000 people in five locations in San Diego, and Elevation runs about 32,000 people in 13 locations. So I got the staff together, and we started talking about similarities and differences. And the question of security came up. And elevation security is they have, they have a, um, basically a a guard that stays with the pastor most of the time. Um, Not armed, but if you messed with him, he would hurt you badly. There's a bunch of volunteers that float around with earpieces that they're communicating, and so they're constantly out looking around. And then they have usually one office, one um, uniformed officer on site. And they got a handful of cameras here or there. Rock Church, on the other hand, has over 200 cameras on their campus. There's a sense of paranoia with them for whatever reason. And, uh, and so, again, it becomes a cultural thing as to what what is secure and how far are we gonna take it. So before you just start buying cameras and stuff, understand that piece first Otherwise, you're throwing good money away. Where are you over. going to go with Yeah. Point, yeah. And, and can you phase it? You know, do I need cameras everywhere to start with, or do I need them just in the kids' area and near the office? The, the likelihood of an active shooter is like 0. .0001%. You know, there's 8, 10, 12 a year that happen, and they're all heinous. But When you have 350,000 churches, the likelihood of it happening at your church is very low. You're more likely to have a disgruntled parent or grandparent trying to take a child from nursery or be robbed on Monday before you make the deposit. Those are far more regular type of occurrences that churches need to be prepared for. What's interesting is these trends, these are not just trends, they're, they're happening now. And what we're seeing in churches, what's driving a lot of this is the residential market. People at home have their Alexa that they talk to. Uh, you can get a refrigerator now that you can talk to and it'll give you your shopping list and email it to you. Um, you you've got the ring doorbells, You know all, all these things. I've got CPI security on mine. My phone, so I can unlock my back door from here I can see a camera in my driveway to see if anybody's out, so we we have all this at home. What we're finding is people coming to church and saying, why don't we have this at church? Why don't we have this? And so it's starting to draw awareness now that the consumer part of our church is using them at home. So one of my favorite um, authors of the Bible is Paul. Paul never gives an instruction without saying, so that. A little different than when we grew up and our parents told us just do it because I told you so.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> Paul always gives a so that. So all of this for me has a so that to it. And the so that is the, that we're more efficient, effective, and intentional with our facilities. That's the so that. There's a whole bunch of other so that's that I think help connect dots for people. So if you could say, we change our filters and our air conditioner every quarter so that our occupants are breathing clean air, so that our systems run better, that we save energy. When you add that so that, it takes the mundane task and turns it into a meaningful exercise. And so we we constantly encouraging churches, particularly with your, your facility staff, add the so that, so they can personalize why that's important. So in the world of property management, there's a thing called the 330-300 rule. So let's assume that this was done originally for office buildings. So the numbers are gonna be a little skewed from church. But they found that the average was about $3 a square foot for utilities, a lot higher than churches. That $30 a square foot for rent, and then payroll cost almost $300 and this, these are all kind of like per uh, per square foot. So your personnel costs you $300 a square foot. Well, if you could save 10% on each one of those, which one's gonna have the greatest impact? Personnel. Yeah. I mean, payroll. payroll is always the biggest. Yeah, so it's, you know, so you, you could go from 30 cents to $3 to $30 a square foot with payroll. Well, in the world of property management, this was to justify why you should eliminate payroll. I don't believe that in the church world because every church that we work with is understaffed for their facilities to begin with. So, what I'm suggesting is how do we, knowing that the churches in not going to hire the right number of staff, how do we make the staff we have more efficient by using automation? If we can get things to do automatically, that don't require human interaction or limited human interaction. Now we have freed up people to go do the things that only they can do. I'll give you a prime example. We one of our clients in Orlando, First Pres, large church. It's where the Orlando Magic practice, and it's a big facility used a ton. Their facility manager told me that he spent 25% of his time every week re-entering data in his building automation system for each season. They had a lady in the front desk that would type all the events in, into their system. She'd print out a stack of paper, hand it to him. He would have to sit down at his computer and re-enter all the data again. Well, if that was being done automatically, and it was integrated and automated, what else could he be doing with his time that, that is not being done, that's causing deferred maintenance? So. For me, the the idea of automation is to reduce deferred maintenance and increase operational efficiency. Because if we're gonna spend all of our time turning thermostats up and down, and that's where we're spending all of our time, that's not allowing us to get on the roof and look at the roof. It's not allowing us to inspect different things because we're too busy doing things that could otherwise be automated. Now, a wise person once said um, software will never solve an inefficient process or cure unintentional behavior. That's an incredible quote from me. Yeah, it is, and it, <laughs> you know I, I found it on the internet somewhere. <laughs> but I, I find too many people will come to us and say, well, you know, software will be the answer to everything. No. It's a tool to help, but if your systems and processes are still backwards or inefficient, software just makes them more inefficient in most cases. So one of the big trends that we're seeing in churches is this connectivity between the IT director and the facilities director. For for most of my career in working with churches, they were silos. They never had to talk to each other. IT did computers, facilities did repairs. Well, we're seeing some big changes majority of systems that are going to be more integrated with themselves require IT support. Is anyone familiar with the Church IT Network? They're a a national organization geared towards church IT professionals. And I put a question out to their group to say, how many of you are seeing, or how many of you are having to take responsibility for your door access systems? 100%, yes. It's all under IT now because it's wireless or it requires Cat5 cabling or whatnot, it requires IT to be involved. Facilities are still involved, but IT is the one that's really running with it. And so there's more of this kind of thing where IT is is getting into the facility world, if you will, and facilities getting into the IT world. So there's got to come a point where they actually talk to each other and communicate with each other. So there's a thing in software called an API, which is basically a backdoor in software that lets you talk to other pieces of software. This is becoming prevalent in most software packages and even most hardware packages. Um, You mentioned you you work in the the HVAC industry, so you've moved with DisTech. So DisTech is one of the largest manufacturers of the Jace component and communicating thermostats. Well, they see the trend in APIs, and they're actually making their own devices that will have APIs now that will allow you to talk to them wirelessly, uh, which is really kind of cool. Um, And so we're seeing more and more trends in that kind of realm. Um, But IT and facilities, they must communicate. We had a church buy, I don't know, 20, 25, Wi-Fi thermostats from us. And then called us back and said, oh, I just found out that we don't have um, Wi-Fi in that part of the building. Well, you probably should have known that before you bought Wi-Fi thermostats, because now you're gonna spend several thousand dollars to run some EPs and and get connectivity in your building. Um, Or if you're going to, you know, if you're a church that has a a guest Wi-Fi connection in in your lobby or in the sanctuary, and you're running Wi-Fi thermostats, and you're running Wi-Fi something else and something else, do you have enough what's considered pipe size of your internet to handle all that? Well, it doesn't do you a lot of good if your facility guys are going out buying all this Wi-Fi stuff to find out that you don't have enough internet coming into the building to even support all of it. So they've got to communicate. They have to seek information from each other before decisions are made. They must determine the why they need an application before they decide on the what. So before you, before an IT or facility guy says, oh this is a cool gadget, wouldn't it be great if we could have that, step back and say why. What is it going to solve? What will it save us money on? What will it save us time on? How will it make us more efficient and effective and intentional with our buildings? It's also going to require some interesting budget discussions if, To work the facility piece, you need IT to run cabling and everything else. Does that come out of the IT budget or the facilities budget? Who's going to be responsible for it? Which budget's going to maintain it? These are going to be interesting conversations, particularly in in larger churches where they've got a staff that does all that kind of stuff. It's going to be interesting. in, in the, particularly in the HPAC world and facility management world, these are six organizations that we highly recommend. Uh, HPAC, Heating, Piping, and Air Conditioning, has a, a great um, website and blog. American Boiler Association. IFMA, International Facility Managers Association, is, is best best in class. Facilities Net is kind of a resource tool that you can um, they have a blog. They have uh, downloadables and whatnot. ASHRAE, the code people, and then BOMA, Building Owner Management Association—all great organizations if you're looking for additional information to to learn from. And then my final thought, and then we're all going to go get ice cream, <laughs> is you still have to manage and maintain your systems. You can have the greatest building automation system in the world that's making you incredibly efficient. But if you don't change the filters in your air conditioning, and you don't touch up the belts, and you don't do all that other stuff, your system's still gonna fail. So, churches need to realize that just because you got the new shiny thing that has a cool mobile app, doesn't mean you can't, you can stop doing the things you have to do. You still gotta maintain it, you still have to plan for the long-term inevitable replacement of those systems. All that still has to happen, All that we've talked about just helps you be more operationally efficient. I'm done.